When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Along with our regular obscenity warning, we'd like to warn the audience that this episode contains several mentions of death and loss, particularly in Section 3. We know the last year has been difficult for everyone, so please take care of yourself as you listen. Hello, welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're talking about chapter four of Briar's book. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. <laughs> or your take of choice. And let's make PPE. So chapter four. Chapter four begins with Dedicate Crane arriving at Discipline Cottage. Triss opens the door and he just falls on the floor. He's just leaning. After Triss and Crane complete the requisite amount of snarking at one another. Mm-hmm. Lark comes in and she's like, hey, what's up? He tells Lark that he has been tasked with trying to find a cure for this new strange disease. They have masks and gloves, but because the people who are looking for a cure are going to be basically handling this disease directly, they are the most at risk. He asks Lark if there is a way that she could lay in some extra protective spells on the masks and the gloves that they have just to provide him and the people who are working with him as much protection as possible. Cut to the second day of quarantine at Erda's house. Two men come in who are sick and what started as boring became a lot of work, kind of wearing both of them thin. It'd it'd be a lot of work for two adults, much less an adult and a child. Yeah. Yeah. Henna shows up. She brings them some extra supplies and also gives them word that it's spreading really quickly. Henna also brings soup from Dedicate Gorse. Because Gorse's soup can just fix everybody. Yeah. Like absolutely. That's it's it's fantastic to have a cameo from Gorse, even if we can't have an actual cameo from Gorse. Briar can't sleep. He stays up and talks to Henna, who is using her magic to kind of feel around for what what medical problems the patients already have. Like a magical diagnosis. Yeah. And then he does finally fall asleep 
and he dreams that he is the girls. Through him, we get to see Daja and Frostpine and Carell all working on making these quarantine boxes, sample boxes. We see Lark and Sandry working on making this oil to put into the fabric to better protect the mask and glove wearers from disease. At the very end of the chapter, the guy who runs Erda's house come and opens the door and he's like, everybody in this whole damn house now has this damn pox. You are now free to roam about the house and help whomever you can. This shit spreads fast, y'all. Let's start with our not-quite step one. Is Tamara Pierce a goddamn prophetess? And talk about just how real this chapter is, shall we? It sucks. The speed at which this spreads. In the previous chapter, we talked about how the Duke and everyone in charge is trying to prevent mass panic. This makes it clear why. I mean, anytime you'd have unknown contagion spreading through a town, it'd be hard to not freak out. I could definitely understand them trying, but uh, this is clearly not working. It's spreading way too fast. And then everything connected to PPE and not having enough of it and it not being strong enough feels really real. The entire quarantine like section of the house is overloaded. The entire house is now a quarantine house. The thing that really got to me was they talked about like not letting anybody in and out of the mire, which totally makes sense they basically have to quarantine this whole section of the city but also is like so devastating because these people are kind of trapped basically setting up for death yeah that was interesting for me because my favorite game in the world is called pandemic it's pretty fun it is a co-op game where you work together to try and cure four diseases that are spreading across the world. One of the things in Pandemic Legacy that you can do is you can set up roadblocks. And another thing that happens is basically if the disease gets too bad in one city, the people will riot and then the city will just become like a post-apocalyptic wasteland or something. In the game that we played, Atlanta was actually the first city that rioted and quickly became this like wasteland. And so what we did was we just roadblocked it off and didn't go there anymore. Oh my God. Basically went, we can't take care of Atlanta anymore. So we're going to take care of everybody else. Now reading this book and being in a pandemic for a year, like, wow, that's a real decision that like people have to make. Triage. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kept calling it murder when I did it. It is kind of like triage. You kind of have to decide, well, who has the highest chance of living? It's a hard decision to go, okay, well, I can't do anything for you, but I'm going to go help this other person now. Yeah. It's, it's one of those necessary things because if someone's just too far gone, you can be expending your really limited resources on helping this one person who may or may not make it in the end. Or you can pass on that person and try to help other people. And it really only happens in like some sort of mass casualty situation or where you have yes. very limited resources. Mm-hmm. It's just a decision that has to be made to 
make the best use of the resources on hand. Yeah. You see it kind of as a microcosm with Briar and Rosethorn because they have a patient that comes in who is already sick from something else that they can't cure him from. So now he also has this. So they basically just put him in the corner away from everybody else and try and make him as comfortable as possible. But they know they cannot keep him by him. It's, it's sad that it has to happen that way. The alternatives arguably worse. Yes. Now that we're thoroughly downed. Yay. One of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked. I only thought two. Is there anything you liked? There's two things that I found of this whole long fucking chapter. The first one I found was when Sandry was getting the tea out of Rose Thorne's workroom. It reminded me of Indy, since she makes all these teas for us. So since you make tea, you can make tea that's mentioned in this right here. It's uh, a morning blend, a sunny tea heavy with rose hips and bits of lemon pill. More proof that Indy is Rose Thorne. My second one is also another tea thing. It's whenever they're giving the yellow bark tea to all the sick people. Briar says something about Flick was drying out. And he's like, the Rose Thorn used a different word, dehydration. <laughs> I just like the image of her drying out, almost like a sponge or something. Ooh, like a raisin. Yeah. <laughs> Raisins, they're humiliated grapes, really. Yes. I also have a small handful. I really just love the snark fest between Triss and Crane. That child does not know fear. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter who you are. She's going to take you on. But I also do like the tea, but for a different aspect of it. The fact that she has the powdered endurance, it makes me happy. Because little things can keep you in a world. And this is a little thing. More of Lark and Crane and Triss. That whole conversation from like, I thought you'd be in your uh, workroom, Crane, not paying calls, all the way down to uh, where he's basically like, okay, yeah, so I want you to add another layer of protection to this stuff. That whole conversation just, it shouldn't make me giggle, but it kind of does. Briar finally seeing kind of how Rosethorn is in that crisis of where she just stops caring about literally everything except for the person that she's taking care of. It's just like, oh, my boy. When Hina comes in and she's like, I don't know about you, but I have a headache. You must be tired. And Briar's like, oh shit, you're gonna get a tongue lashing. And Rosethorn's just like, mm-hmm, okay. The conversation about how fast the cases are spreading and how many that they found is kind of a downer. It makes me sad. The conversation with Henna and Briar whenever everybody else is asleep right before dealing with the man who seized in the night, that conversation is really downing, especially the point of 
there's sometimes there's nothing we can do. It just makes me, gives me pain. It's rough. Right here, right here. The snark of how does magic in his blood fix his air? And it's, uh, haven't you learned any physiology, how the body works? I do plants, not people. Briar's Uh, got himself a little bit of snark in him, too. Yes, he does. Gehenna talking about how she could save X amount of people, absolutely fine, but she'd be putting herself at risk if she did it. Basically, I'd have to go to Death's Kingdom in order to bring these people back. And I'm just like, oh, well, when you put it that way. She made it earlier that it wasn't an easy thing to do. She'd be able to do it, save like four of them, but she'd be out for like a whole month. She'd probably get sick herself and not be able to fight it off. Yeah. And just be kind of worthless for a while. So It's kind of reminiscent of what Daja did in the previous book. I mean, I know they're completely different situations, but there's that bit about where she steps into the fire and Triss has to hook lightning into her to keep her from just getting consumed by it. I imagine that that would be similar because Donna did this completely amazing thing, but she would not have been able to do it without help from all of these other people. Similarly, Hannah's like, yeah, I could, I could do that, but it would be a small number of people that I could save and it would all but kill me. Yeah. She could do a lot more good by not doing that and just helping everyone out a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if I would exactly call these likes, but there are several things that just kind of stood out to me in the chapter. I really like the quote, we feel as if we dance on fire in paper shoes. I've never heard of anything similar to that expression. It's pretty. Yeah. It's nice because it's unique. So it could be a idiom, but also it's very clear. We can all figure out what that means. And it's just a really evocative metaphor so yes two patients who come in on the second day when they first bring them in briar's like one of them's easy to take care of but the other one's always complaining that this is wrong and that's wrong and he's not comfortable and so on and so forth but then like two pages later he's complaining that the first man is being too quiet a street rat even an adult should put up some kind of a fuss and i was just like make up your mind briar henna says oh, she's got worms and flukes. And he's like, what are worms and flukes? And she's like, oh, parasites. She probably had lice and fleas before Rosethorn washed her. And Briar's like, well, doesn't everybody have lice and fleas? And then realizes... He's not about that life anymore. Yeah, so that's just... It's really telling and it connects into his whole development of this... His two worlds splitting apart. I love... The little note about Sandry putting Crane in her protective circle. It has never occurred to me until now that the students and the teachers at Winding Circle all call the adults by the same names. Crane isn't like Mr. So-and-so to the children. He's just Crane. Everybody calls him Crane. (laughs) If you want to get fancy and proper, then you call him Dedicate Crane. But... He has the one name and everybody calls him by that. And it, that's the case for everybody. And I ranted last last episode about Water Temple dedicates being shat on. But Hannah shows up and we can tell that Rosethorn and Henna have a good relationship. If Rosethorn approves of Henna, then she's got to be pretty damn good. Be so, doing something right. Yeah. 
I suspect she's fairly competent because when she walks in the door, Rose Thorne's like, oh, thank God you're here. Finally, somebody who knows what they're doing. I'm just also going to take this moment to point out that Moonstream is a water temple dedicate. Water temple represent. All right. That's me. Okay. Orgy, who was a sick guy who was complaining a lot, he was convinced that everything that they gave him was poison. All the, the, the medicines and the stuff. And that reminded me of all the people nowadays that are anti-vax or like, oh, the new coronavirus vaccine will give you a microchip directly connected to Bill Gates' brain or whatever. People are acting like the government needs a computer chip in you to track who you are and what you're doing. They I don't, don't know about you, but I have a cell phone that already does that. Yeah, I was going to say it has location. It has apps where it checks you in and checks you out automatically. I probably shouldn't even be saying this out loud, but you shouldn't trust the government anyways. But you can trust medical professionals for the most part. They're not all out to hurt you. Vaccines have been a thing for well over a century. Why would you not want to protect yourself and others around you? The other things that I noticed, and we kind of already touched on this one, but the whole triage thing, very clinical, very medical, but interesting to see, I guess, in the society where they have magic and stuff, they still rely on helping the ones that can still be helped and just doing the best they can with what they got. Another thing that I like, the fact that they use rose geranium oil to help protect the masks and all the uh, metal engravings for the protection of all the people using them is an actual oil that we have from a plant that is known here. And it has antiviral, antibacterial, and antifungal properties. So that's the little nod to people that know about natural medicines. Fun little shout out there. I liked when Tris did the whole don't talk to me unless I've had my coffee line, but with tea. <laughs> that was incredibly funny. <laughs> I liked Tamara Pierce's description of Dasha doing the metalworking on the box, explaining the tool and like how she went following the lines made of oil and stuff. I think that's honestly some of my favorite descriptive stuff is how in depth she gets in, like with weaving and metalworking. Very, very cool. And I had a couple of dislikes. Corel was mentioned, so automatic dislike. Yes. <laughs> uh, not going to get into it, just saying. Just throwing that out there. Corel is not Corel, wanted or needed. How dare he help make PPE? How, how dare he exist in this plane? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the very last line in the chapter, which is. Hannah saying that she needs a pair of hands or could use another pair of hands in the house. And Jokobus, the guy who owns Erda's house, is like, you'll get them. My daughter is coming here now with 10 more sick. That line seemed kind of vague. And I didn't know if you meant like you're getting more sick people as hands or if his daughter is coming to help them take care of the sick people or what. Yeah, I, I was a little. I got the impression that there were more sick people coming, but his daughter was also coming to help care for them. I hope that's I, I could see that, but I, I thought it was a little vague. I was like, is it one or the other or both? Or yeah. What, what? Yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Part two of our three-step reading process is reading like a dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or a message in the chapter. The theme that I found is teamwork or cooperation. And this to me goes right back to the game pandemic because pandemic is a co-op game. So rather than most games, when we think about a board game where you're all trying to win against each other, you are all working together against the game itself. I don't know how many months or years ago, but sometime way back when, when this before times, president Trump said something about it's a game. I don't know what game it is, but it's not checkers. I was like, yeah, I know exactly what game it is. It's a game called Pandemic. And Pandemic is a cooperative game, which requires all of us to work together. Everything that the people are doing here, you see Carell and Frostpine and Daja working together to make these boxes. Crane goes and asks Lark for help. He's kind of having trouble asking for help. And she's just immediately like, Crane, just ask me for help. We're in this rough situation. You know that I'm not going to say no. If I can help you, I'm going to help you. And she asks Sandry, says, I'm not going to demand that you help. And Sandry's like, of course I'm going to help. Henna shows up and immediately does everything she can to help Briar and Rose Lauren. And so you see this network of people all trying to work together to prevent this spread as much as possible, to find the cure as fast as they can, to take care of those who are sick. 
we need to cooperate yeah. so much. That was pretty much mine. I just couldn't find a good word for it. I put down the power of friendship. Everyone's just doing their part. Everyone's working. There's no one being lazy. Everyone's doing what they can to help out with this giant problem. It's heartening to see that and be nice if that can happen in real life. The government, private industry, citizens helping each other to get over this as quickly as possible. But here we are living in a not perfect world and uh, it sucks. My theme that I found was prejudice. Both Crane and Hannah, they didn't say it straight out. It was just kind of like hinted around that it was all the people in the Myers' fault for this pandemic happening. So they're blaming it all on the poor. It's not their fault. It's not their fault that they're poor. It's not their fault that they live like that. Lark already talked about that in another chapter. Also similar to the real life China virus. I guess that leaves me. My weird off the wall polygonity. Letting go is what I found. This is in a couple of different places. It's Tris and Sandry putting aside their irritations with Crane. Crane letting go of his pride to actually come in and be like, yo, I need help. There is literally the line of, I'm sorry, I can't do any more from, you know, when she's talking to Briar. But yeah, it's just, there's a lot of letting go. It's good and bad letting go. Step three is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic were you able to craft out of this chapter? Life sucks in a pandemic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure does. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. That's it. Goodbye, everyone. Done. <laughs> <laughs> my, my big takeaway was when Crane comes in and says to Lark, I need your help. Can you give us an extra layer of protections? She says, actually, you've given me the solution to a problem. I wanted to teach Sandry how spells are laid in cloth after it's woven. She manages to keep this positive attitude. Crane's obviously having trouble asking for help. The way she responds to him may take some of that burden off because it's like, it's not that I'm helping you. It's that you're helping me. I want to do that. I want to be the kind of person who can look at all the problems and somebody comes and says, hey, can you help me with this? And I go, oh, how perfect. (laughs) Yes. A very considerate way to say yes. Yes. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to say yes in a very considerate way. Cool. What I put down is remembering to take care of yourself and not spread yourself too thin, which kind of reminded me of when you're on an airplane and they do the whole spiel about putting uh, the mask on yourself before you help your kid or someone else that can't put it on. You kind of do need to take care of yourself first to be able to help others later on. Because if you spread yourself too thin, 
like how Hannah explained to Briar, obviously she could heal three, four people pretty quickly, instantly, they'd be fine, but then she'd leave herself vulnerable and be unable to help in the future. Or she could just help people just the amount that they need and be able to help a lot more of them. It's, it kind of goes back to the whole triage thing, but just, just being able to realize to not uh, overexert yourself and take care of yourself. Eat, sleep, hydrate. If you can't help yourself, you can't help anyone else. It, you can't just keep giving and giving and giving. You have to bring back to, some to yourself as well. Right. I guess mine is realizing that not everybody can be helped. That's kind of sad, but it's true. Yeah. I hear stories of like recently there's someone we kind of know that is really bad into drugs and had a child and can't take care of the child. And she keeps trying to push the kid off onto somebody else. I want to take that kid. I don't know this person very well, but I want to take this kid, but I can't take this kid. Other people that we know also cannot take this baby and it's like it's very heartbreaking and then another example I have is when my niece was dying someone in our family got a ton of money and he got an inheritance his mother died or something I was so mad at this person because they weren't using all this money to try to get more treatments for my niece because it was his granddaughter I was like that's your only granddaughter and you are not trying you're you have all this money and you're not putting it into this and my dad had to remind me he's like there's not anything that they can do she's gonna die and I was just so mad I'm like but he has this money this money can fix it but no it can't <laughs> yeah it sucks but can't help everybody that's so. just how life is you know and that's something we saw in the last book, too, with the drought and Sandry. What good is magic if we can't use it to help people? You can't just magic things away. Or pay a shit ton of money for things to go away either. Yeah. I actually found one magic, and I found a resonating magic, if that makes sense. So the actual magic is the conversation between... Briar and Hannah when she's just like sometimes there's nothing you can do sometimes there's just no fight left and it's the you can't save everybody it sucks it's hard when you have to make the decision of okay well I have to take care of myself and that means I can't save you perfect example look at my family <laughs> I can't save all of you stupid motherfuckers mm-hmm. so I'm gonna save myself I sometimes forget that not everybody is salvageable be it health issues or befriending some someone or staying friends with some someone like sometimes views differ so greatly there's a point in which you reach and you're just like i cannot make you understand what i want you to understand and sometimes it's a fundamental thing that makes you not be friends anymore i have plenty of experience in that too I just, I forget sometimes that not everybody can be saved. And sometimes those that you do save aren't worth saving. But the residual magic, I'm surprised no one brought it up. Because how else am I more like Briar than to be so dramatic as to go, I should pick the day that Roach died and Briar was born. (laughs) 
<laughs> to be my birthday. Because that's basically what I did. Yep. Like, like uh, oh, she died. She died like seven years ago. New birthday and everything. <laughs> the reason I brought it up now rather than in an earlier one is it's a reminder of we are not sedentary creatures. We are constantly, constantly adapting to new things. New situations were put in or new people that were forced to be around or whatever the case may be. We are constantly changing. It's healthy to change. Because if you just sit sedentary, then, well, you might as well be dead. We're not getting anything else out of you and you ain't getting anything out of us. So number 438 of why Indy is Briar. (laughs) (laughs) We are dramatic bitches and want profound birthdays. Well, when you think about it, if it's the day that Roach died and Briar was born, it is his birthday. Exactly. Yeah. Makes sense to me. At the end of our episodes, we like to read an excerpt from the next chapter. So this is an excerpt from chapter five of Briar's book. Nico sighed. It seems this disease isn't carried in the air, which is the only good news we've had all week. That leaves human contact, insects or animals, or water. If animals were carriers, we would have noticed sick ones. There are no flies or mosquitoes at this time of year, though we can't rule out fleas and lice. I believe this thing spreads too quickly to be simply a matter of human contact, though Crane won't rule that out. The only thing we can try to change is water, said Triss. The water in the sewers rises by the hour, said Nico. It may already be leaking into the city's wells. It certainly will do if the water continues to rise. If we can move this rain along, our outlook will be improved. Triss removed her shoes, spectacles, and shawl, handing them to Nico. She climbed into one of the flat-bottomed notches in the top of the wall and turned away from the wind. The storm was at her back, coming from the southeast, bound for the northern mountains. She spread herself in it and let its motion thrust her into its leading edge. The hills around Summersea rolled around her. Rivers, streams, towns, she felt them all as she flowed overhead, bound for the great mountains beyond. An opposing wind in her face brought her to a halt. There was a pressure to counter the storm she rode, a whirling mass of air entrenched nearly 30 miles to the north. It would go nowhere. If she insisted, she would regret it. She had met such things before and wouldn't have cared if she had no storm at her back to move along. She jumped into the edge of the unmoving northern system. Following its edge west, she sought a gap where she could put her storm. She found none. At last, she gave up. Returning to the storm over winding circles, she used its power to send her shooting high above the clouds into open air. Safe from her storm's pull, she turned west again, still looking for a space to move it to. There was nothing she would not have to fight other weather to clear. Cat dirt, thought Triss, using a favorite expression of Sandry's. Curious, she sank until she was caught up in her storm's counterclockwise spin. She let it drag her south and east, saving her own strength for the return trip. At the storm's southernmost point, she yanked free. A fresh storm caught her almost instantly. She let it pull her even farther south, jumped free, straight into a third storm. When at last she opened her body's eyes, she found that the sky showed barely pink through a small break in the eastern clouds. A fine drizzle fell on winding circle. Her body had gone stiff in her absence. She lurched and saw there was but an inch between her feet and the edge of the wall. She'd forgotten she stood in a notch. 
with nothing to keep her walking into thin air. Ah, oh, cat dirt. Cat dirt. Cat dirt. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like listening, tell your friends about us. If you don't like listening, tell your enemies. Please tell us what you think of the Circle of Magic by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. You can find more of Reading Circle Temple at readingcircletemple.com or find Reading Circle Temple on Tumblr. And thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their artwork on Tumblr at Yellow is for Happy Draws or on Instagram at Shannon and Draws. Also, thanks to Britain's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. <laughs> See, this is why I, I wasn't ready. This is why I tried to say it before you went. Before you went. Like, oh, Goodwin's going to forget. <laughs> I remembered my new line, not my, 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 okay. All right. He doesn't know what his name is. What's my name? Oh, God. Oh god, oh fuck. <laughs> so, so are we starting over? Or do we just want to continue to the next part? Let's start over. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Too embarrassed to continue. <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.